0: Ah, the number nine. It's the number of lives for a cat. Cloud nine is the happy place we all want to be. In a courtroom, possession is nine-tenths of the law. And of course, there's nine innings in a baseball game. But why? The story is actually more interesting than you might think. Today, on Rounders, a history of baseball in America. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the show. I am, as always, your host, Jeff Lambert. You know, we know baseball today is a game that's governed by specific rules and regulations, and changes are tweaked every season with the goal of continually improving the product. And we may take that for granted today because we are enjoying a mostly polished product. But we didn't get to that point without a lot of trial and error and revision, so how long a baseball games should last has not always been the same. The nine innings we know today is the final, not the first draft. And who knows? 175 years from now, will nine innings still be the standard? For now, let's hop in our time machine and break down the journey to the game length as we know it today. Let's begin back in the early 1800s. This is when baseball was in its infancy. It was growing steadily in the Northeast, particularly in New York, and the outbreak of the Civil War would drastically spread the game across the United States. But for now, if you caught a game in New York in the 1840s, you'd see teams not playing to nine innings, but instead playing to 21 aces. Now, what's an ace? It's the 19th century equivalent of a run. So basically, teams played until one team scored 21 runs. This may sound like a really long game to play, but for the time period, when offense ruled due to a lot of reasons, including rudimentary gloves or no gloves at all, no stadium fences to keep a ball in a certain area of play, and of course, pitchers pitching underhanded, these games didn't take long to reach 21. The MLB's own archives state that the average game length in the 1840s was only about six innings, and it was not uncommon for games to end with scores of 60 to 100 runs per game if they went over the 21. Remember, too, that players on early baseball clubs weren't collecting salaries. They were weeknight or weekend warriors, so that meant the skill level was still very hobbyist. And as I mentioned before, the pitching talent, it just wasn't there. As a matter of fact, it was awful. And there's a couple reasons for this. One of the main reasons the pitching was just plain bad in baseball's infancy was because it was such a dangerous position to play. Getting hit by a ball in play was a common occurrence, and serious injuries did occur. So if you lived during this time... Why end up with a broken bone or a concussion when you had to go to work the next morning? So the people that ended up pitching in games usually were doing it simply for the goal of trying not to get hurt, or maybe because they were the person that was at the bottom of the totem pole and they had to work their way up so they got the most dangerous position on the field. There was another reason, though that baseball was such an offensive sport in its youth. And that was because the pitcher's main purpose was to throw the ball so the batter could hit it. Now, as time, time went on through familiarity of the game, as people started to play it more and as skill level improved slowly, but steadily games got longer and longer and reaching those 21 aces became harder for baseball clubs to reach. Also, Since games were getting longer, that meant that clubs ran into nighttime before games were finishing. And we're in a pre-electricity era right now. So once that sun went down, it was impossible to continue an unfinished game. As an example, in 1856, there was a game that was recorded as ending in a 12-to-12 tie on account of darkness. And this is where we see our first tweak to game length occur. As an informal practice, we started to see teams begin setting innings to games instead of using the 21 aces rule. Now, depending on the day, teams would show up with anywhere from seven to nine men to be able to field as a team. And remember, again, it's a hobby for most people during this time. So the amount of players that a team would bring to a game to field really varied from day to day. So there was a standard practice that became normal for consistency's sake to let the number of players in a particular game dictate the number of innings played. So, for example, if you had 14 players, 7 on each side, games would be played 7 innings, or until one of the clubs reached 21 runs, 21 aces. If there were 12 players that match, six on each side, the game would most likely be paid to six innings. This helped mostly provide a set conclusion for games early on in baseball's history, but it wasn't a formal rule, so the problem didn't go away. In fact, quarrels and fights have been recorded as breaking out over what to do if clubs, for instance, showed up with uneven amounts of players. If one group showed up with nine and one group showed up with seven, what do you set the maximum inning count as? There were some clubs that didn't like to play outside the 21 aces rule. So then there was an argument that would suffice there. So baseball was in this situation of refining itself. And it was a slow process. So how did we get to the nine innings from here? Well, it was thanks to baseball's main guiding light in its early years the group responsible for formalizing and popularizing so much of the sport that we know and love today. We're going to discuss that group and how they got us to nine innings right after we take a quick break for the seventh inning stretch. Hey everybody, it's Jeff, the founder and host of the show, and I have some exciting news for you. In addition to the baseball history podcast you know and love, I'm launching a weekly email newsletter. In it, you'll find a link to each new episode, along with curated baseball history news, stories, polls, and more. It's completely free, and it's a simple way to enjoy the Rounders show that you love even more. And for those of you who would like to support the show as a subscriber, you can easily become a member by signing up using the link in each newsletter. For just $5 a month, I'll send you a weekly email with bonus episode content, including our newest show, This Week in Baseball History, where we take a look at the major stories that happened throughout baseball's past and how they relate to America's pastime today. As members, you'll also have opportunities to vote on future episode topics and participate in exclusive events, such as the Rounders Fantasy Baseball League. If you'd like to send me a small token of your appreciation just once a year, We have an annual plan that will save you money over the monthly fee. And if you really enjoy the show and you want to send me a more significant contribution, I've created a Rounders Starting Nine tier for an annual payment of $100. You'll have my eternal gratitude and have your name included in the episode credits as a show producer. In addition, you'll get to choose the topic for one episode each year, and you'll get a free Rounders Starting Nine member t-shirt. Most importantly, you'll continue helping me grow this show. I'm grateful for your support and I look forward to sharing more of the best stories from baseball history with you in the future. Click the link in the show notes to sign up for the email newsletter today or go to rounders.substack.com. That's rounders.substack.com. Now, let's get back to the show. Hey, everybody, and welcome back to the show. Just a quick recap, we're mentioning how baseball's early games lacked innings, but instead used the 21 aces structure to decide a winner. And we discussed how teams began to set inning caps based on the amount of total players who showed up on each side. But the problem still lingered as we discussed, and so there was a challenge to figure out in terms of how to decide a game's length fairly for all teams. We also mentioned as pitching skill and defense improved, baseball needed an official rule to dictate that game length and determining a winner. So the club to lead the charge was none other than the New York Knickerbockers Baseball Club. And we've discussed them in previous episodes. But if you're unfamiliar with this club, they really brought us really the first version of the game that we know today. The club began in 1845 by a man named Alexander Cartwright, and it started as a simple attempt to just get guys together, to collect dues to cover matches, and standardize the game of town ball that was becoming more and more popular across New York. They were the ones that published the Knickerbocker Rules, which dictated game rules and member behavior. And these rules that they established included things, again, that we know and love today, such as a diamond-shaped field. They made the balk illegal. They introduced foul lines. They came up with the amazing concepts of three strikes and out for a batter. They also included that runners must be tagged or thrown out. They would also fine players for cursing on the field, and they would penalize them for showing up to games late. They also took some steps considered blasphemy by other baseball clubs at the time because they outlawed two common gameplay staples from the early versions of baseball. And we would think of these today as not revolutionary, but at the time, the New York Knickerbockers Baseball Club was the one that basically said, no more of this. We're going to add a more professional finish to this sport that we really appreciate. So what were those two things they outlawed? Number one, they outlawed the practice of soaking or plugging. Now, both those terms are used to refer to the practice of being able to hit the base runner with the ball to get them out of play. That was common during the early years of baseball. This was actually outlawed by the New York Knickerbockers Baseball Club, and it ended up gaining steam as time went on. Obviously, there were concerns of injury, if you could throw the ball to hit a base runner, so there was that, and also there was an element of fairness that they were trying to put into the game. And so they were the first team to really, on a major level, outlaw soaking or plugging. The second major change that they made to baseball in their rule book that was eventually adopted and is commonplace now, was they decided to dictate what a foul ball was and to make it a do-over opportunity for the batter. Remember, most other clubs or pickup games didn't have foul balls, If it was hit by the bat, it was usually in play. So this club, this New York club, could be considered one of the main founding fathers of the game. So, in 1856, the New York Knickerbockers helped form a committee to figure out how to move past the 21 aces rule. The debate was very heated, but there was a man named Louis F. Wadsworth, who was responsible for presenting the idea to make the standard nine innings. Where did he come up with this idea, and why? Well, he was determined, he believed very strongly, that each game should feature a standard nine players on each side. Now, Wadsworth wasn't even a name that most baseball fans knew up until about 2015, and this is when baseball historian John Thorne released his book, Baseball in the Garden of Eden. I'm reading it right now, and it is absolutely amazing, and there's a link in the description if you'd like to check it out. So basically, Thorne did some exhaustive research on a name that was passed over by many people before him. And he found out that this gentleman was also responsible for presenting the baseball field that we know today. He was the one as part of the New York club that came up with the diamond concept. So Wadsworth was the Knickerbocker representative on this committee to standardize game length. And he reportedly believed in the nine-man rule so much that he used, quote, sly tactics to bring about the uniform nine men on a field at one time. And then he used that position of standardizing nine men to say that there should be nine innings. So Wadsworth is probably going to get his own future episode just because of the fact that he was such a driving force between a lot of these early rules. And on top of that, he's a fascinating figure, in addition to his baseball exploits, this guy married a wealthy widow, he became a court judge, he lost his wealthy wife due to an untimely death, and then he drank away his entire inheritance and he ended up committing himself to a poorhouse at the end of his life. But he is a name to be remembered when it comes to what we know today as the nine-inning baseball game. So that's how baseball got to where we know it today. We started off with the 21 aces rule. Then we saw teams trying to find a way to set a standardized innings rule to be able to set a conclusion to the game. And even when that was not completely successful, we saw, led by the New York Knickerbocker Baseball Club, a forming of a committee to standardize how many men on the field and what innings should be reflected of that. And we settled on nine guys on the field, nine innings to a baseball game. This passage of this rule is an example of baseball's continuing commitment to refining its style based on new challenges that face it. And we're going to continue to see that type of attitude, at least I hope in the future from the MLB. Thanks for joining me for today's episode. And if you liked it, please subscribe and tell a friend. That way we can get in front of more listeners. And if you really enjoyed the episode too, you can also leave me a tip. A One time, just thank you for this episode, and we appreciate what you did. Those are also in the description. And overall, I just want to thank you for making me a part of your day. Until next time, remember, there are only two seasons, winter and baseball.